One and all welcome. I'm Nick Munez, this is Nick's Nonfiction. Today on the show, the latest, the greatest edition, Soshana Zuboff's The Age of Surveillance Capitalism. What do you mean by that? Surveillance capitalism is defined as a new economic order that claims human experience as free raw materials for hidden commercial practices of extraction, prediction, sales. Do you consent to terms and agreements? A parasitic economic logic in which the production of goods and services is subordinated to a new global architect of behavioral modification. Should probably be on the Patreon, not dropping any names today. Maybe. We're definitely talking about Zuckerberg. You know, what did Edward Snowden say when he bumped into Obama? Pardon me. Obama. What's the best place for Edward Snowden to hide? Wall Street. No one there ever gets prostituted. I said prostitute. We're definitely talking about the economy. Maybe prostitutes today. This reminds me of a Klaus Schwab book. We've read a couple of his. Get subscribed on the Patreon. We've got another one coming up in Jan. Klaus Schwab calls it the idea of total certainty. He has no doubt. Making the world one global economy where you own nothing and are happy, it'll be impossible to sink. A global-sized ship that is unsinkable. Something of titanic proportions. Quote Zuboff, we are all going to be working for a smart machine, or will we have smart people around the machine? So if algorithms think for themselves, who programmed the algorithm? Why don't Chinese people care about mass surveillance? Because after the one-child policy, nobody remembers what a big brother is anyway. The Nikas will be right back. About the author Soshana Zuboff. Born November 1951, Soshana is an American author, Harvard professor, social psychologist, philosopher, and scholar. She got her undergrad from University of Chicago. She says the stakes could not be higher. A global architecture of behavioral modification threatens human nature in the 21st century, just as an industrial capitalism disfigured the natural world in the 20th. So that was a fucking lie. Shut up, Zoshana. So she's going super commie today. I don't mess around with that. In the 1800s, capitalism raised more people out of poverty than anything in human history. The threat that has shifted from a totalitarian big brother state, that's something we could get along on, operating in the interests of surveillance capitalism, is the crucible of an unprecedented form of power marked by extreme concentrations of knowledge and democratic oversight. It is a controlled hive of total connection that seduces with promises of total certainty and maximum profit. Titanic Klaus Schwab security. At the expense of democracy, freedom, and human future. With little resistance from law or society, surveillance capitalism is on the verge of dominating the social order and shaping the digital future. If we let it, Soshana, if we let it. Who's the patron saint of surveillance? St. Francis of Assisi. TV. (laughs) Surveillance bots are raising in stealthiness. Rumors have been collecting dirt on Americans for years. The Roomba War? That's a meme online. (laughs) They say the camera adds 10 pounds. After my last look in the mirror, I must be under some pretty heavy surveillance. We will be right back. Chapter 1, Soshana Zuboff. Zubi. Foundations. 
All right, I'll be a normal person now, but we got big quotes in this book. On August 9th, 2011, three events separated by thousands of miles captured the bountiful prospects and gathering dangers of our emerging information civilization. First, Silicon Valley pioneer Apple promised a digital dream of new solutions to old economic and social problems, and finally surpassed ExxonMobil as the world's most highly capitalized corporation. August of 2011. Second, a fatal police shooting in London sparked extensive rioting across the city, engulfing the country in a wave of violent protests, the punishing austerity of neoliberal economics and the extreme inequality that it produced. Third, the Spanish citizens asserted their rights to a human future when they challenged Google by demanding the right to be forgotten. Spain took a stand against Google? This milestone alerted the world to how quickly the cherished dreams of a more just and democratic digital future were shading into a nightmare. So this book has a lot of fear in it too. But like, how do you wake people up to this? We all know. Snowden told us in 2008. They sent that motherfucker to Russia. Obama. Obama's a cool black guy though. <laughs> they were just watching us, so yeah. <laughs> Throwing this dip in. Remember this one? Old campaign slogan, Google. Don't be evil. Yeah, that didn't last long. Spaniards are asking for the right to be forgotten. No, no, no. You're in my database forever. The Google Spank Bank. <laughs> Zuboff starts by saying Apple's growth was nearly impossible. Bloomberg reported, Wall Street analysts are befuddled by the mysterious Apple miracle. We can't even model out some of the possibilities. It's like a religion. I know a lot of you guys watch Steve Jobs the movie. So yeah, that's how you should learn your history. A movie with Ashton Kutcher in it. <laughs> but the bombs that she was dropping, she was going, Huawei phones are much bigger. How come Apple is able to grow unhampered? As Bloomberg is saying, impossibly fast. Bro, I have lived at a house that had a Chinese exchange student for a minute. And she had the coolest phones and like gimbal technology. Bro, they're ahead of us. <laughs> so anyway, sometimes capitalism might not exactly be a free market. The best ideas aren't making it to the forefront. Huawei phones, you're banned so that Steve Jobs could look like a cool American. I fuck with the culture. But I also want a badass phone. Gimbals, I need that for my hikes. Quote, in 2008, Apple surpassed Walmart as the world's largest music retailer iPod sales were similarly spectacular, exploding from 1 million units per month after the music store launched to 100 million less than four years later. They overtook Walmart as the music salesman. Remember FEI or all those stores in the mall? I'm thinking now I had a girlfriend in middle school and she had a, like a Mexican iPod and it had twice the amount of gigabytes. <laughs> There's no way we're going to let China control the music industry, though. They won't even let black people allowed in their movies. I'm moving to China. <laughs> Quote, capitalism evolves in response to the needs of the people in a time and place. Henry Ford was clear on this point. Mass production begins in the perception of a public's need. I don't like to do it, but Ford, he was good in some respects. He gave his workers enough money to buy... A car. And then he sold tanks to the Nazis. But who's keeping track? I'll take a stand against here that we have some counter-economics going on. 
I don't want the Apple goggles. Okay, why are they pushing this shit so hard? <laughs> Is anybody asking for 6G, 7G, 8G? It's unnatural how this shit gets pushed. You can't even afford it. How much is a VR headset? They're still over like 400 bucks. So yeah, people see. Jeff Bezos, he ain't putting money back in the community. They're trying to go to space. This is unnatural. Carnegie at least bought us a library. The implications is that new market forms are most productive when they are shaped by an allegiance to the actual demands and mentalities of people. So Jeff, when you take that underage chick into the stratosphere... It has nothing to do with the common man. Build me a library. The great sociologist Emile Durkheim made this point at the dawn of the 20th century, observing the dramatic upheavals of industrial civilization. Industrial society and its future. <laughs> Factory specialization, the complex division of labor. Durkheim understood that although economists could describe these developments, they could not grasp their cause. She just bridged economics to psychology. So they don't know why people kill themselves. We read Emile Durkheim's entire book. We don't also know why people buy things. <laughs> and that's what advertising is. It's just like take up as much brain space from people as possible. Because that's the only thing we know why people might buy something. I have an advertising degree. Mass communications. We'll definitely go deeper on tech here. But let's lay some economic groundwork for chapter one. Lesson Econ 101 Nick's Nonfiction, Tom's Shoes. Remember how obnoxious that was? I'm like saving an African tribe because I bought shoes. You don't know economics, so now one guy in Africa lost his job as a shoemaker. You have to fix the places from where they start. You can't just upheave places and go give them money. But whatever. Lesson number two, Nick's Nonfiction, Economics. Keynesianism. Shit's fake. <laughs> Orwell had this point in his book. You lower interest rates to the point where you can trigger new spending. And then that'll increase shareholders' profits. You know, it just goes up the pyramid. That's not what money is. The main axiom, bottom line of Keynesianism, money spent is value created. Excuse me, no it's not. Value created is value created. Money spent is value created. That's Keynesianism. That's our most popular economic theory in the U.S. So when you go shopping, consumerist, and buy things, that's the most productive thing you could do. Rather than producing value. So yeah, it literally doesn't make sense. The money gets its power from you shopping rather than us creating something. America doesn't produce anything. Ammunition, Remington is like our biggest export. <laughs> We're just arms dealers, bro. And that's why we can fuck with the money. Keynesianism. Shopping, the most valuable human act. So, like, what is value? If you just supplement the guy who hits himself on the head with a hammer and he calls that work, it's not work. You gotta provide value to a community. So in the food books, Slosher shows how McDonald's gets federal subsidies... That's not benefiting the community. It's making people fucking obese so they steal from you and then kill you. <laughs> it's funny. So yeah, studying economics for a few years, artificially low interest rates, it can keep an unprofitable business alive. So I'm saying, if you're not profitable, 
get the fuck out of here. That's not the marketplace of ideas. Huawei wins. We could have better iPhones. Like a lithium battery, it charges for 3,000 cycles. That's three years with an iPhone. And now the iPhones can't replace the battery. They're good. Keynesianism slows down competitive pressure. And you know, the marketplace of ideas kind of relies on competitive pressure. Low credit costs invite governments to ramp up deficit spending. That's the basics, bro. This economy is built for crash, boom, crash, boom. And the last thing I'll say, Nick's nonfiction economics lesson five. Negative interest. Just think about that word. Negative interest. America owes so much money to China <laughs> that, you know, when you don't pay your debtor, it usually goes up. They go, well, if we wait, the debt will just go away. Negative interest. What are you talking about? Are we in bizarro world, the upside down? <laughs> Negative interest? <laughs> Socialism for the rich. Thunderdome capitalism for the poor. <laughs> Goldman Sachs, $2 billion bailout. You went to school and you want to forfeit on your loans? I don't think so. Who should receive the newly issued money? Should it go to the hands of consumers or to entrepreneurs or to banks or the government? How much money should be issued? Should it be early or later in the month? Should everybody get the same amount? What is the proper principle for distributing new quantities of money? Modern monetary theory, a.k.a. socialism. <laughs> Bro, they've done this in countries before. So yeah, negative interest. You might not just see it, bro. Like, you don't know what zero-bound nominal interest rates are. So, like, just go back to your job, bro. <laughs> Michael Lewis is a god. They try to confuse you. They're the funniest people on earth. Bro, you don't know what zero-bound nominal interest is? Are you fucking retarded? Chapter 2. The Moat Around the Castle. <laughs> Google's former CEO, Eric Schmidt, credits Hal Varian's early examination of the firm's ad auctions with providing the eureka moment that clarified the true nature of Google's business. All of a sudden, we realized we were in the auction business. Let's just rip off eBay. Google. This chapter interested me because they own YouTube. This is my boss. I would never talk bad about my bosses. <laughs> So Google is saying up front, we're going to be an internet realtor. Auspice space to the highest bidder. You know, we're being bred for this with NFTs. You can own cyber property. Google already owns it all. You know, you know Getty Images. Let's so say you just own every image on earth. <laughs> so they're making the castle moat harder to cross. That's her whole socialist thing for the chapter. In the, the digital world, I'm saying it's an extension of how we're treated in the real world. It's not different. It's harder to become a millionaire now. I'm saying my grandpa worked at a gas station and bought a house. You cannot attain internet clout like you could have in 2008. Who's going to tell Addison Ray that all of her followers are bots? Another one. Schmever Schmalis. 
Quote, in historian Carl Polanyi's 1944 grand narrative of the great transformation to self-regulating market economy, he described the origins of the translation process in three astonishing crucial mental invitations that he called commodity fictions. The first was that human life could be subordinated to market dynamics and reborn as labor to be bought and sold. But he's talking about it in the digital sense that like your data is more valuable than your work. The second was the nature that could be translated and market reborn as real estate on the internet. And the third was the exchange could be born as money. So fucking the new federal backed crypto currency. Great. Crispo currency. Karl Marx had described the taking of lands and natural resources as the original big bang that ignited modern capital formation, calling it primitive accumulation. So I'm not into this, even though I side with the Native Americans. How the fuck are you going to own land? If you build a house somewhere, you probably could shoot somebody within 100 yards of your house. I'm just saying here, we got 20 good years of the internet. <laughs> and it was probably just to collect data on people. But now the digital space is, like, taken up. In the YouTube studio, they offer you to by ad space <laughs> quote the commodification of behavior under surveillance capitalism pivots us towards a societal future in which market power is protected by moats of security indecipherability and expertise even when knowledge derived from our behavior is fed back to us as a quid pro quo for participation as in the case of so-called personalization parallel seeker operation pursues the conversions of surplus and sales so like she's being too technical in china if you retweet Xi Jinping, they give you quicker wait times for flights. So this motherfucker talking about quid pro quo digital participation. They're going to sell you back your own information in the form of time. <laughs> Genius. Evil. How did they get away with it? No single element is likely to have done the job, but together a convergence of political circumstances and proactive strategies helped enrich the habitat in which this mutation could root and flourish. So I'm just saying the internet first 20 years could have been collecting data. Maybe they subsidized the iPhone so hard so that we'd get hooked on it by a new one every three years and they have all your data. The relentless pursuit and defense of corporate control, the shelter of specific historical circumstances, the intentional construction and fortification of the world's politics and culture, designed to protect the kingdom and deflect any close scrutiny of its practices. <laughs> it's reminding me of Greece. You're not allowed to question it, otherwise you're out. December 2014, Schmidt was asked about the possibility of abuse of power at Google. He simply assured the audience of the continuity of the firm's dynamic lineage. He succeeded Schmidt in 2011. The current leaders would handpick future leaders. We're fine with Larry. It's the same people. All of us who build Google have the same view, and I'm sure our successors will have the same view. So, like, when did Google go public? Probably before 2011. And aren't you supposed to consult with your bidders about your decisions? And they're just saying everything's done in the boardroom. Many Silicon Valley founders followed Google's lead. By 2015, 50% of IPOs were introduced by dual-class structure, compared to 1% in 2005 and more than half of those for technological companies. 
13 most significantly, Facebook's 2012 IPO featured a two-tiered stock structure that left Mark Zuckerberg in control of voting rights. The company then issued innovating Class C shares in 2016, solidifying Zuckerberg's personal control over every decision. In 2006, for an example, just two years after its IPO, Google paid $1.65 billion for a one-and-a-half-year startup that never made any money and was besieged by copyright infringement lawsuits. This was YouTube. While the move was called crazy and the company was criticized for outsized price tag, Schmidt went on the offensive, freely admitting that Google had paid a billion-dollar premium for the video-sharing site, though saying a little about why. How did they have that much money? Sound like the Airbnb book. You want to be a billionaire, Brian Chesky? You let us control your Twitter account. She brings up Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act. Platforms are already exempt from what users post on their websites. So why are we still having this discussion about, like, Elon Musk is responsible for all the frog posters and the alt-right? It doesn't matter. We've already went over this. We'll get deeper. Chapter 3, Advanced Surveillance. There could not have been a more fitting setting for Eric Schmidt to have his opinions on the future of web than the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, 2015. The owner of Google chumming it up with our buddy Klaus Schwab. The internet will disappear. There will be so many IP addresses, so many devices, sensors, things that you are wearing, that you are interacting with, that you won't even sense it. It will be part of your presence at all times. <laughs> Imagine you walk into a room and the room is dynamic. The audience has gasped in astonishment. He's blowing minds at the Davos meeting. He's saying there isn't going to be an internet because the world is going to be the internet. Check, please. Industrial society and its future. You go on a hiking trail, and there's digital advertisements. <laughs> Geocaches popping into your fucking Google lens. Nope. <laughs> Remember that book, Smart Cities? Your coffee toaster is going to surveil you. Roomba was watching you. He's looking out for thought criminals. <laughs> you read one too many books. Your Brita filter doses you with an extra amount of fluoride. Your smart bidet lowers your social credit if you have too much diarrhea. And that's how America ended. Smart bidets. There was a quote that said your conversations can be commodified. So the whole first chapter was about how your experiences can be commodified. Make your YouTube channel about gear instead of actually camping. It's all about commodification. I've heard this recently. Sitcom writers, they get their dialogue from reality TV. It's like future entertainment. It could just be picked out of millions of conversations. Chad, Chad GBD. That guy is eavesdropping. <laughs> <laughs> and don't you already feel like Hulu, Peacock, half of these shows are already written by robots. Zuboff gave it a name. There are many buzzwords that gloss over these operations and economic origins, ambient computing, ubiquitous computing, the Internet of Things. For now, I will refer to the whole complex generally as the apparatus. The apparatus. 
or as they called it in Terminator, Skynet. <laughs> Economic fiction, what did they call it before? This wider complex that we refer to as means of behavioral modification is the expression of gathering power. The prospect of guaranteed outcomes alert us to the force of the prediction imperative. She goes back into the Marxism and shit. Go watch Wonder Woman 1984. They gather your power through commodities. This gradually accruing smart and muscular apparatus is gradually being assembled around us. No one knows what the real magnitude is or how it will be. It is a domain plagued by hyperbole, where projections frequently outturn actual results. Despite this research, planning, investment, and invention necessary to draw the vision of ubiquity into reality are well underway. So, like, we live in a democracy, right? Why don't we get to vote if the NSA collects our data? Patriot Act 2, the TikTok bill. If you have a VPN, you're going to fucking Guantanamo. Did I get to vote on any of that? She talked about MIT and DAPA labs. They did studies on the general population, which they called herd studies. When given a list of websites, 90% of people only chose the first two results. It's an MIT study right there that explains everything. <laughs> There's only two political parties. There's only two pages of results on Google. What if 90% of people are only capable of binary thought? And actually, 2020 gave us the best general statistics on that. 20% of people will go along with anything. Let me wear a seventh mask. 60% of people, apathetic to the point of acquiescence. Let's putting it nicely. 20% of people kind of think for themselves. But that study's crazy when given the internet... 80% of people are just going to use it to watch porn. <laughs> you could become a fucking super genius with this thing. Let me whack off again. Chapter 4. Big Other. Surveillance capitalism is the puppet master that imposes its will through the medium of ubiquitous digital apparatus. I now name the apparatus Big Other. It is the sensate computational connected puppet that renders monitors, computers, and modifies human behavior. Big Other combines these functions of knowing and doing to achieve a pervasive and unprecedented means of behavioral modification. Surveillance capitalism economic logic is directed through Big Other's vast capabilities to produce instrumental power, replacing the engineer of souls with the engineer of behavior. I almost just spit on the mic instead of my cup. That's wild. So, like, humans are unpredictable souls, but we're being turned into behavior. Just predictable automatons. Wild. What passes for social relations and economic exchange now occurs across the medium of robotized veil of abstraction. <sighs> Big Other does not care what we think, feel, as long as millions, billions, and trillions of sensate accutational computing eyes and ears can observe, render, datafy, instrumentalize the communication. Oh my god. <laughs> like, they don't even care anymore. You could drink yourself to death when's the last time we had a president who was like anti-alcohol that was every other president in the 1900s as long as we can collect data about what kind of wine coolers you like do it <laughs> goes back to chapter one bro it doesn't matter if you're producing anything they just need to collect your data value is no longer value that's why zoomers are fucked up and that quote from this chapter they're all algorithms <laughs> Quote, although Big Other can mimic intimacy through the tireless devotion of one voice, 
Amazon Alexa's chirpy service, Google Assistant's reminder, and endless information. Do not mistake these soothing sounds for anything other than exploitation of your needs. I read about a study one time where it was in a black uh, city, an urban area, and they gave out free condoms. And all the dudes were like, hey, I ain't bagging with the free condom, yo. That shit gonna have me paying child support. No, 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 no. And then the fucking nerds, they made the condoms $5. And people were buying them by the draws. <laughs> so that's the entire advertising thing. You want to fool people into giving them the right price point. Well, I feel comfortable paying this. Quote, forget the cliche that it's free. You are the product. You are not the product. You are the abandoned carcass. Oh, the product derives the surplus that is ripped from your life. Oh my god. So I'm saying, you're not even the product anymore. Advertisers just need to see if you'll buy the Dylan Mulvaney beer. That's why they're running the PSYOPs, bro. It doesn't matter who buys what. <laughs> we need to take America back. Thanks to Big Other's capabilities, instrumentational power aims for a condition of certainty without terror in the form of guaranteed outcomes. So they guarantee us guaranteed outcomes, but we can't predict the next wildfire or the next mass stabbing. Oh my god. <laughs> Bro, when I read Plato's Republic, they called it a utopia of certainty. That whole book is tongue in cheek because he watched Socrates get killed. <laughs> and this is what Klaus Schwab is selling as the truth our utopia of certainty, straight out of Greek mythos. Because it's not fucking real. <laughs> Alright, reeling it in. In his penultimate essay written in 1990, talking about Skinner here, he mourned the perspectives of behavioral prediction as the foundation of a new society built on scientific certainty. This is Skinner, the guy that designed our school system. To say that a person is simply a place in which something happens seems even more threatening when it raises questions about what they're likely to do rather than what they will do. So this motherfucker who had us from K through 12, even he is going, I cannot assure you that I'm going to make the perfect citizen. <laughs> Whoa. In time of our surveillance exceptionalism, the resistance that Skinner lamented appears to be waning. The belief that we can choose our destiny is under siege. So I don't want to say that we're losing, <laughs> but Zoomers are, um, they don't have as much hope if you look at it philosophically. There is no violence here, only the steady displacement of the will to will that has been embodied in self-determination, expressed in the first-person voice, and nourished in the kind of sanctuary that depends on the possibility of private life and promise of public freedom. These fucking Zoomers. Our destiny is under siege, and you're gonna watch... So yeah, I don't really think like we're gonna spill blood in the streets World War Three. This is all psychological, bro. <laughs> Quote, Totalitarianism is a transformation of the state into a project of total possession. Instrumentalization that Big Brother signals the transformation of the market into a project of total certainty. I'm saying markets are based off of people, so even the best economist in the world cannot predict the market. For example, in the aftermath of the December 2015 terror attacks in Paris, President Obama, U.S. legislator... We know who he is. Obama. You had to fucking say that. 
these books, I tell you. <laughs> Exhorted the tech companies. Yeah, she also said that he's a public official. We didn't know that. Just get to the point. Obama is exhorting this demons. <laughs> the companies were reported l- reluctant to be perceived as tools of government. <laughs> so, you know, Zuckerberg tries to act like he's a jujitsu king and all that now. But does he not know that he's 100% compromised? Anyway, smart and connected signal news channels for commercial and government growth surveillance is neither conjectured nor limited to federal intelligence agencies. In 2015, murder case police used by smart utility meters were able to grab data from iPhone 6s, <laughs> as well as audio files captured by Amazon Echoes. In 2014, data from a Fitbit wristband was used in a personal injury case. In 2017, police used data from a pacemaker to charge a man with arson. <laughs> His pacemaker testified against him. <laughs> The tech, the robots, they hate us. <laughs> Damn, all that shit is about plausible deniability, the Fourth Amendment, and expectation of privacy. You know, all that innocent until proven guilty shit. Those are things of the past, Nikki boy. Forget about it. <sighs> the aim is to leverage the explosion of personal data in order to improve citizens' behavior. <laughs> China's social credit system. Individuals and enterprises are to be scored on various aspects of their conduct, where you go, what and how you buy. These scores will be integrated within a comprehensive database that not only links into the government information, but also to collect data by private businesses. So like he's saying, you can hire a third company to do your police work. It's soon just going to be allowed that Amazon can spy on you, and I'm positive they do. I ordered a package one time. (laughs) You all have this story. They're listening. Industrial society and its future. America, I diagnose you with China syndrome. Chapter 5, A Coup from Above. Surveillance capitalism departs from the history of market capitalism in three startling ways. First, it insists on the privilege of unfettered freedom and knowledge. Second, it abandons long-standing organic reciprocities with people. Third, the shelter of life in the hive betrays a collective social vision sustained by radical difference and material expression. Uh, Yuri Bezmanov, destabilize, demoralize, naturalize. Hello, bozo. Definitely got that wrong, but this bitch is just dragging it out. The reason that they need to enact full socialism before they take the mask off is because they know that markets are too unpredictable. I'm saying, bro, we're going to turn into czarist Russia once it fully is. (laughs) Who cares? Free commerce and global governance cannot coexist. That's a good point she had. Global governance is diametrically opposed to humans and markets, which are the two coolest things ever. Each individual, Adam Smith reasoned, employs his capital locally in pursuit of immediate comforts and necessities. Each one attends his own security, his own gain, led by an invisible hand to promote an end which was not part of his intention. That end is the efficient employ of capital in the broader market, the wealth of nations. The statesman who should attempt to direct private people in what manner they ought to employ their capital would assume an authority which could safely be trusted not only to no single person, but no council or no senate, whatever. 
and we let a third body, the Federal Reserve, divvy up all of America's goods, audit the Fed, and then run them back to Jekyll Island. Hayek wrote, The first to perceive that we have stumbled upon methods of ordering human economic cooperation that exceeds the limit of our knowledge and perception, the invisible hand perhaps better have been described as an invisible, unservable pattern. These old founding fathers, they were spiritual, man. Land surveyors, you don't know where people are going to wind up. Recalling Mark Zuckerberg's boast that Facebook would know every book, film, and song a person had ever consumed, and that its predictive models would tell you what bar to go to, when to arrive, what the bartender would have your favorite drink. As the head of Facebook's data science, isn't the love of life about a little bit of unpredictability? But Facebook is going to know everything. (laughs) A top Facebook engineer put it succinctly. We are trying to map out the graph of everything in the world and how it relates to each other. That's a really easy map to do there, buddy. (laughs) Of every human behavior. What the fuck are you doing? They're building an evil robot. (laughs) The absence of organic reciprocity with people as either sources of consumers or employees is a matter of exceptional importance in light of historic relationships between market capitalists. We covered that. Ford let his people afford cars. She's going full circle with the Google story at the end. In 2007, a prominent financial analyst worried that the subprime mortgage bust would harm Google's lucrative ad business. Oh, no. It seems a strange observation until you learn that in the years prior to the Great Recession, Google eagerly welcomed shady subprime lenders into the behavioral future markets. Anxious to net the lion's share of $200 in monthly revenue, that mortgage lenders were spending on online advertising. Remember in the Michael Lewis book, we just learned about dark pools. (laughs) Facebook was using a dark pool at the tune of $200 million a month just to run ads into your subconscious. It's not even real money that they're using, and they're expecting me to pay for ads in the creator studio? You guys are printing money just to brainwash me, and it's not working. couple juicy details at the end. Among the few reports that have managed to assess Facebook's operations, the theme is consistent. The secret workforce, some estimate, reckons at 100,000 content moderators, and others calculate the number to be much higher. It operates at a distance from the corporation's core functions, applying a combination of human judgment and machine learning tools. What the fuck? There are 100,000 dudes already working in the Ministry of Information. And that's just Facebook. So what the fuck does the NSA have? Wow. Doing it for the 200 followers out there. (laughs) Tyranny is not a word that I choose lightly. Like the instrumentarian hive, tyranny is the obliteration of politics. It is founded on its own strain of radical indifference in which every person except the tyrant is understood as an organism. So these fucks who all want to see global communism, everybody's equal. Except Klaus Schwab and the aristocrats. (laughs) Private jets, but you... Count your farts for your carbon taxes out there. Cynicism is seductive and can blind us to the enduring fact that democracy remains our only channel for redemption. Democracy, it's not gone. We gotta take America back. You look around you, what do you see? Greedy, fame-hungry, two-faced American psychos, to put it nicely. A political system might not be enough. 
we need to remember the ethos of democracy. Surely, the age of surveillance capitalism will meet the same fate as the teachers who us do not want to live. <laughs> it instructs us in the irreplaceable value of the greatest moral and political achievements by threatening to destroy them. It reminds us that shared trust is the only real protection and certainty. Those who would try to conquer human nature will find their intended victims full of voice. This book is intended as a contribution to the collective effort. The Berlin Wall fell for many reasons, but above all, it was because the people of East Berlin said, no more. We too can be the authors of many great and beautiful new facts that reclaim the digital future as humanity's home. No more. Let this be our declaration. The Age of Surveillance Capitalism by Soshana Zuboff. Hey, we should on Instagram. If you want some free memes, patreon.com slash the niche. What's the perfect price I have to tell you economically so that you'll join? <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed the show. My name is Nick Nunez. I will see you next time. I be flossing.